Welcome, everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88. Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the double L team, Lyle and... Producer Lawson. Producer Lawson? Yeah, well, I came and opened up the studio. I turned the computer (laughs) on. I was doing the real heavy lifting this morning, you know. I was getting in there. Where were you guys? I was... Oh, we were sleeping in. (laughs) Yeah, it seemed like it. Snoozing. You know, know, sleeping in as I see uh, producer Shell walk in completely drenched. I'm like, man, they really must have been sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Shell went for a bit of a walk and it went for maybe a little bit longer than uh, planned. And then I couldn't find her. (laughs) <laughs> to pick her up and bring just her to work. lost her. She was lost. Was somewhere. Google Maps not working? Or Google Maps was not working. That's terrible. Well, she said she was on Martin Street. Yeah. So I typed in Martin Street. It <laughs> didn't come up. It's not in Google Maps. <laughs> That's so funny. Because it's spelled M-A-R-T-O-N. Yeah, well... Who spells Martin with an O? Well, when it's a street name, maybe. I don't know. Like, when it ceases from being a person name to a street name, I no, guess. I guess that's how it goes. So, are you grateful that you're here this morning? I'm grateful I'm here. I'm grateful I found my wife. Yeah. And you're grateful that you're dry? I'm very grateful I'm dry. <laughs> and I guess... Which the same can't be sold, told. Can't, the same, same can't, can't be, be said. said for Shell. <laughs> Oh, She's that's a little awesome. bit damp this morning because it is raining outside, even though it's she did carry a brolly. Heavy. Yeah. Mm, dumping. Hectic. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We're on The Breakfast Show. And right now, of course, Lawson is going to bring us the first clue, the first question for our quiz. Yeah, that's Lawson. right. For 100 points, what did a man named Siren, Simon from Cyrene carry for Jesus as he walked to his execution? Yikes. Oh, again, I'll read that one again. Uh, what did a man named Simon from Cyrene carry for Jesus as he walked to his execution? The Bible says he was compelled to yes. um, carry this thing. And I think he, he did a wonderful thing for Jesus. He did. So 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. For 100 points, you can win yourself a Faith and Fan bookmark and bumper sticker, or you can get your points on the board. And if you answer every single question correctly, you can win every single prize. But finally, again, what did a man named si- Simon from Cyrene carry for Jesus as he walked to his execution? 491 Nine. All right, let's have some positively different news. We need some. Everything oh, is getting washed away dear. outside. <laughs> well, it has already been heavily washed away up north, as I think most people have been seeing. Um, the floods going up on, you know, in the Queensland area, northern New South Wales as well. Um, yeah, it's just insane. I saw some pictures this morning of, of yeah, some of the localities up there with water. Like, well, I'm I'm a pretty short dude, and it was like it looked like head height. Honestly, it looked like oh yeah to the tops oh, of yeah. shops and all kinds of things like i'm mm-hmm. I was, it was wild um people but, running around in tinnies having to duck their heads to get under the power lines yeah that's right that's a lot of water oh, that's crazy but uh fortunately it seems as though that 
heavy rainfall has started to ease, uh, which is good news. Um, another good news as well is that from what I've seen, it's remained a, that a lot of the churches in the areas that are usually like providing social support and um, refuge for people um, in these areas have seemed to be unaffected. I did see a picture from the Kingscliff Seventh-day Adventist Church where it was like almost underwater, but remaining still like the church is kind of now have a moat around it and you can't get in. Um, but yeah, I saw some other pictures from the Lismore Seventh-day Adventist Church and uh, the Gold Coast and whatnot where they've just got people, the building is just packed full of people who they're supporting. So really yeah, fantastic stuff. congratulate them for doing such an amazing job. Um, and yeah, we really hope and we pray that uh, the people who are affected by these floods can you know, work their situations out because it seems pretty hectic. It does indeed. It does indeed. We need to be praying for... Northern New South Wales, southern Queensland right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, some other people to pray for, as we've been talking and praying about um, on the show, is the Ukrainians who are yes. going through all, all the crazy things they're going through. And I know, that Lyle, you're going to cover uh, Ukraine and, and whatnot in your segment, going to talk about from the Bible prophecy standpoint. Um, I just wanted to highlight that the Australian government um, has decided to fast track uh, visas for, that are coming in from the Ukraine. They're, they're willing to take on refugees. Obviously, we have a bit of a bumper. Uh, we have a bit of a, you know, uh, yeah, a bit of a margin there to bring refugees in because the last two years we've had such a little immigration into Australia. And so they're really using this opportunity to say, hey, look, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get refugees over here. We'll find a place for them. We'll support them, which is great. And actually came after Scott Morrison attended uh, the Ukrainian church uh, vigil in Western Sydney on Sunday. So he went there, attended, obviously met a bunch of Ukrainians and spent time with them um, and has made this promise that, hey, we're going to support you guys through this. And, you know, I'd assume he was talking to a lot of people who have families over in the Ukraine who are trying to make it over to Australia. And it's like, we're going to do everything that we can to to bring them over as quickly as possible. So that is also fantastic news. In it, is the indeed, face it is indeed. Of- and, and, and the thing is, the thing is, it doesn't matter what your politics are, you can pray for peace. That's right. You know, there's politics on all kinds of sides of this story, as there always is when war mm. breaks out and when a conflict breaks out. It does not matter which side your politics are on. You can pray for peace and you can work towards peace. Working towards conflict and working towards war is never, never what Jesus would do. Yeah, that's right. I, I was chatting to one of my friends on the on the phone yesterday. We were talking about this and we're actually texting back and forth. And, you know, he, he himself, he has Russian heritage. So he's, his parents, uh, his mother is Russian and they're like full Russian all the way back. Like uh, he's an Australian, obviously, uh, living here in Australia. And yeah, he was talking about like, obviously, you know, he knows people in Russia at the moment who are, you know, part of this invasion and, and all this stuff, but he's just like, yeah, look, take, you know, politics aside and, and the different views of what Russia is actually doing. You know, there's some people who are kind of in support of what Russia is doing. Um, yeah, like, oh, yeah. Oh, Russia, lots of Russians, heavily in support of what, of what Russia is doing. Even like, and, and then they make the point like, oh, lots of Ukrainians are in support of this. Like this should happen. Ukrainians aren't innocent. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's like what country is whenever there's a conflict, there's, you know, it takes two sides to start a conflict like this. It's That's very right. rare that one country is entirely innocent. Yes. 
But there is no excuse ever for aggression by Russia, and to do so is just absolute insanity because you've got a trigger for World War Three. Yeah, that's and right. Russia's just gone ahead and pulled that trigger. There's yeah. no excuse for that. And that was what my friend was saying. It's like, yes, we can talk about the politics of this all day, which he really has his finger on the pulse of because that's his people. But then he's like, "But war is hell. Like, why are that's we right. doing this? Yes. This is this is not. This is crazy. This is this literally is insanity." Insane. So. Yeah, uh, praise God that, you know, we, we, we prayed here on the show and people have been praying around the world and now we're seeing some solutions come from that, that Ukrainians are, you know, the people, the, the citizens of the Ukraine who are just innocent, regular people like you and I um, are finding refuge uh, around the world. And, and, you know, there's all sorts of stories coming in, you know, people sending millions and millions and millions of, of you know, donations in Bitcoin, actually. So this is like, okay, <laughs> for those who know, I am like the biggest crypto hater like ever. It is literally a tool to scam people like 100%, like crypto and NFTs. Like I am, I hate it. It's like, for most people, it's just like a get rich quick tool. It's become that, but I feel like crypto is actually functioning in the way that it should at the moment because you have like, like think about like the Ukrainian economy right now with everything that's going through. Like it, it's tough to be able to like to say, oh yeah, we're going to raise money for the Ukraine. And if you give them in Ukrainian dollars, like you don't know where that's going to head. Um, but to give them like money in Bitcoin, uh, which is not attached to anything, not attached to any economy. That's just, you know, ebbing and flowing because of well, who know I who knows why? Because of, you know, how much of it's on the market. But the point is it's detached from their economy and that Bitcoin comes flooding in and, and millions of dollars of donations to support these Ukrainians, it's actually functioning the way it should. Yes, and it's also bypassing all of the sanctions That's that right. the rest of the world is trying to put on Russia yeah. as far as Russia goes. And so those sanctions become a little bit meaningless because of Bitcoin. Yeah, that's right. So it might be good for Ukraine, but it's good for Russia. Yeah, as well. that's right. That's right. <laughs> Russia getting stuff done with Bitcoin. Um, in other news, so this is this is this is interesting. This might turn into you know I've just kind of highlights highlighted some of the good things our Australian government are doing. This falls on some of the bad things that the Australian government is doing. But anyways, um, a survey has come out that 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 has found that on average three quarters of people across twenty eight countries that were surveyed in all every different continent in the world, um, three quarters of people, so seventy five percent of people on average, want to ban single use plastics. Uh, we know that single use plastics plastics are like terrible like they're yes. literally yes. the most harmful Destroying most toxic thing to our planet to our environment even to ourselves i read a study recently that was put out by uh michael west that um <laughs> that we when we can like there's actually a, a scientifically they've been tracking people have lower sperm counts um, like Australian citizens, people all across the world have lower sperm counts today than before. It's been consistently dropping um, because, like, and fertility is down as a result of the consumption of single-use plastics. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. it's not a, just a problem for oh, save the turtles, you know, save say you know, save the garbage patch. It's literally causing us to have less kids. Yes. <laughs> like, this is it insane. Is. Um, and people have, you know, really spoken up and they're like, this is something that we need to get rid of. Um, interestingly, one of the, one of the least interested, uh, countries in banning single-use plastics was Japan. They said, um, that they only 37% of people wanted to ban it. The rest of them was like, uh, I guess they, they didn't care. Um, the US was hovering around 61% wanting to ban single-use plastics. So there's still, you know, 39% of people out there who don't, 
really mind. Um, that all being said, uh, <laughs> here in Australia, the banning of single-use plastics has fallen heavily onto the state governments rather than the federal government. Uh, the federal government has promised that they would do something about it outside of banning it. They're just like, oh, yeah, we'll do something. And now the state governments have stepped up. So South Australia early last year and now Victoria have announced that they'll be banning single-use plastics uh, by the end of the year 2023. So I guess that's something to look forward to and we'll see how, where New South Wales stands on this. Can't so- be a bad thing. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Before we get to more serious news, we're going to have the 200-point question for our quiz, and Lawson is going to bring it to us. Go for it, Lawson. All right, for 200 points, what name, meaning God with us, did Isaiah prophesy for Jesus? I almost said the name. I was, like, so close to saying it. When I said prophesy for Jesus, I was about to say the name, and then I, like, oh, I caught it. 0491064669 is the number to call. This one's a pretty easy one, guys. This is a pretty chill kind of 200-point question. This is pretty famous. 0491064669 is the number to call. Uh, for 200 points, you can win yourself an issue of Science Magazine or get your points on the board and continue to work your way through the quiz. But again, what name, meaning God with us, did Isaiah prophesy for Jesus? All right. Give us a call if you know the answer. But right now, we're going to talk about some more serious news. And of course, we need to talk about Bible prophecy this morning. Yeah. Bible prophecy has suddenly become you know, front and center, and it always does the moment the conflict breaks out. Oh, anywhere totally. in the world. And everybody tries to take what's happening in the newspaper and manipulate it somehow into the Bible. Yeah. And we need to be very, very careful when doing so. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bible prophecy is often reported in the newspaper, but that does not mean that the newspaper is always going to report Bible prophecy. Mm-hmm. And so a word of caution, let's think about this for a moment. Let's Let's just, you know, for those of us who are old enough to have lived, say, for, you know, a decade before or a couple of decades before the war on terror. Yeah, me. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> uh, you know, if, if we go back to the Cold War era, when it came to Bible prophecy, you know, the, the whole of Christianity was looking to Eastern Europe mm. would be where the Antichrist would come uh-huh. from. Had to come, the Antichrist had to come from communism, had to, had to come from Eastern Europe somewhere, you know, to the point where you get... Uh, the Tim LaHaye, Jerry B. Jenkins um, series of novels. They wrote like 12 of them called the Left Behind series. There was a movie made out of them. They sold like 66 million copies of them. Um, and, and, and these novels became, you know, the theological basis for a lot of people, people's understanding of Bible prophecy. Why you would use a novel for your theological understanding of prophecy, I would never know. But if you read through those novels, you find that the Antichrist, the bad guy at the end of time, comes from Eastern Europe. Mm. That all changed overnight. Like, just changed absolutely overnight in 9-11. Yeah. You know, Twin Towers got hit. And uh, instantly the Antichrist was coming from the Middle East and there was all of these biblical reasons why it was coming from the Middle East. You know, before that it was all of these reasons why it was coming from, you know, uh, the USSR. The USSR. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, then, then it, you know, Gog and Magog up there in, in, in uh, the USSR. Uh, well, People are literally doing that now, again. <laughs> and and <laughs> in days... I mean, yeah. since Saturday morning, mm-hmm. the whole emphasis of everybody's interpretation of Bible prophecy has flipped from the Middle East to Eastern Europe, mm-hmm. just like that. Yep. Whatever the media is portraying as the current bad guy 
gets labelled as being the Antichrist, and it makes Christians look like fools. We need to know exactly who the Antichrist is. We need to know what the Bible says about the Antichrist, because when you know what the Bible says, you know what the truth is. Yeah, totally. And it's so funny, like, even then, like, there's Middle East, you know, Middle East purists, though, who who are, like, still, you know, on about the Middle East, and they're like, no, it can't be Russia because... Because Israel has nothing to do with this. And it's just like, bro, stop. Like, well, what I find interesting is that during the Cold War era, yeah, it was all about, oh, Gog and Magog, you know, Gog and Magog up in there in the north. And they could build a bit of a case for that because yeah. the historical region of Gog and Magog, you know, if you look at it on a map and if you wanted to go geographically and if you wanted to completely do away with the principle in the Bible of the literal local to the worldwide uh, symbolic, which, you know, mm-hmm. Literal local Babylon, worldwide symbolic Babylon. Mm-hmm. Uh, literal local Israel, worldwide symbolic Israel. You know, Israel yeah. becomes the church. Babylon becomes the evil at the end of time. Yeah, mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff. Uh, but if you wanted to stick with geography, mm-hmm. which you know my church has just been been just as guilty of as any other church, then you could find the historical Gog and Magog within the USSR. Mm-hmm. And now they're like, oh yeah, Gog and Magog. You know, Russia because of course Russia is the aggressor. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's no no justification for this aggression whatsoever at all. Uh, mm-hmm. There's no justification for starting a war. There never is. And so everyone's like, yeah, Gog and Magog, it's Russia coming down and they're going to smash the Ukraine. Well, historically, if you look at a map, uh, Gog and Magog was in the Ukraine, which kind of worked under the USSR, but it doesn't work now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's like, guys, calm down a little bit right here. You're going to have to do some really... Uh, um, some some major some backflips, some major backflips, and manipulating of maps to try and move yeah. those on your on your uh, on your map to make them fit in. Yeah. Of course, is this a part of Bible prophecy? Absolutely, it's a part of Bible prophecy. Mm. Uh, there are things that we need to see yet, but the Bible says there will be wars and rumors of wars. Do we have wars right now? Yes. yes. Are there rumours of wars? Yes. Yes, because what happens if China gets involved? What happens if Taiwan gets involved? You know, this could so easily be a trigger for World War III. We've mm-hmm. got rumours of wars. We have actual wars. Um, it is all happening. And on an course, increasing scale as on well. On an increasing scale. Which is a, a, along with Bible prophecy too. And we've got the great powers going to war. Mm. You know, we've got the great powers facing off, which we haven't had since the Second World War. Yeah. Um, so is it a fulfillment of Bible prophecy? Does it tell us that Jesus is coming back soon? Well, let's think about that for a moment. In the last few years, just here in Australia, we've had droughts. We've had floods twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, sorry, three times now. Yes. This is in the last, what, three years. We've had droughts, three mm-hmm. lots of floods, uh, one lot of the world's worst bushfires. Um, we uh, have had you know, a major pestilence, the Bible says, mm-hmm. you know, plague um, with the pandemic. Um, with got, the mice, with with the mice, you know, it, it just goes on and on and on and on, and it is and it has been unrelenting and continues to be unrelenting. And just when you think that the the COVID lockdowns are going to disappear and we're, we're all going to have time to take a breath, of course Russia has to invade Ukraine, mm-hmm. and that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and who knows what the future holds? And so you know, anyone who's got half a brain can see that. Over the last five to six years, the signs of the times have been absolutely unrelenting. Mm-hmm. And that tells us that Jesus is coming back soon. And it tells us, no, you're not going to get that chance to take a breath mm-hmm. because it's just going to continue on all the time. Mm. So let's think about then the floods that are taking place up north. And, of course, a lot of people are talking about climate change. Mm-hmm. Now, 
one of the dangers that we can fall into as Christians is becoming so partisan in our politics that we accept anything that our side of politics says. So true. Without actually stopping and looking at what the Bible says. Mm. Okay, does the Bible teach there will be climate change? Yes, yes, the Bible does teach that just before Jesus comes back. Should we expect there to be climate change just before Jesus comes back? Yes, we should expect that. Are we seeing some pretty dramatic things taking place in the climate? Yes. yes. Should we expect those what we are seeing in the climate to be a fulfillment of Bible prophecy? That yes. should be our expectation. Mm-hmm. Don't let your partisan politics, like, oh, my side of politics doesn't believe in climate change, so therefore I'm going to go, no, go with the Bible. Mm-hmm. What you're going to find is that your side of politics, whatever your side of politics might be, is going to have a whole bunch of things that are in line with the Bible and a whole bunch of things that yeah. are not in line with the Bible and that will line you up with the opposite side of politics from time to time. Yeah, that's right. The reality is no one really agrees with you. If no, you're, if that's you're right. a Christian, you're a Christian, if you're following Jesus, you're no one agrees with you. That's right. Absolutely. Like, Don't expect there to be a party like, oh, I can vote for this party because I'm a Christian. Mm. No. Man. But speak, dude, I, I've been thinking about this lately, lately. Speaking of like what we were talking about before, you know, Bible prophecy, people's views on the Antichrist and politics and all these things. I really feel as though, and, and how Christians make a fool of themselves, like by just guessing and guessing and guessing and guessing. Yes. Speculating. And oh, it, it could be this or it could be that. We literally, like, so the reason we're guessing is because, well, the reason that a lot of Christianity is guessing is because they have accepted a hermeneutic or an interpretation of Bible prophecy that literally tells them that they can't, can't know who the Antichrist is right now. Yes. They have to well, you guess. Can know who the, if you want to know who the Antichrist is, uh-huh. if you want the name of the Antichrist, mm-hmm. Give us a call here yeah. on 0491 I'll set you up with my prophetic code yeah. uh, Bible study course, and you will get to that in uh, maybe, maybe study number six. Uh, yeah. Thereabouts. But the point is, is that the Bible is so clear. The verses clear. are so simple and easy, yet we as humans have created a system where it literally makes us confused. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, and it's, it's our fault. And I, guys... Turn to God. Turn to the Bible. Please, it is clear at this moment. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Before we go to our interview of the day, we're going to have the 300-point question, quiz question. That's right. For 300 points, what agricultural term did Jesus say he could achieve as soul winners when we work the fields for him. So what could Jesus do if we work the fields for him? 0491-064-669. The prize for 300 points is a pocket sermon, or you can get those points on the board, continue to work your way through the quiz. But again, that question was, what agricultural term did Jesus say we could achieve as soul winners when we work the fields for him? 0491-064-669. Okay, so we've got a couple of text messages coming through here. Uh, which are interesting. Uh, I just want to hit them real quick. Bible prophecies are happening everywhere. Interesting mm. that the Ukraine war started within days when many countries are stopping COVID mandates. Yeah, think about that. Mm. Fear is what they use for control and destruction of ma- body, mind, and soul. We haven't seen anything yet. And anybody who's read what the Bible says, this is so true. Uh, we're so thankful to live in this country. Uh 
Let's see here. Bitcoin. President Trudeau has been reported he confiscated the Bitcoin wallets of 27 truckers. <laughs> There's no safe haven for wow. money anywhere. The government will control all money and no man can buy or sell. That's a simple reality. That's, that's the world Trudeau in which we live. Too. Yeah, wow. it is. It is. You, think, you think your Bitcoin's, uh, you Bitcoin's nah. going to be safe? No, nah, Trudeau maybe. got you, bro. <laughs> okay, another one coming through here. Uh, the Ukraine... Oh, wait, wait. All, all the reformers believed and taught uh, that the Pope is the Antichrist. That is a fact of history and what the Bible teaches. Well, if you want to know the answer to that one, uh, whether that one's true or not, you're going to have to do my Bible study series called The Prophetic Code. Did they teach that the Pope's the Antichrist? Every single reformer taught that. Well, they, of the not, great of, not of the great Reformation of the 16th century and uh, reformers before and after. Okay. Specifically the Pope. Yes. Okay. There you go. Interesting. Interesting stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we're just waiting for our, our interview of the day to come through. But our interview of the day is just text the truth to say that he's online and waiting for the phone call. So um, not sure why we're not getting through. Mm. Uh, but anyway, we've we've got more text. We'll just keep doing text messages. We're just going to take text yeah, messages. Yeah, let's early. get it done. Uh, the rain, my heart goes out to the families of the bereaved. I don't recall seven people dying during floods up north before, it could, I could be wrong. They need our prayers. Uh, I did double-check that because I heard some rumours there was eight, and at the moment there's a news report here from 17 hours ago that eight people have died. Mm. Three are missing. Uh, so it could be it could be worse than what we initially thought it was. So we really need to be praying for uh, the people that are mm. struggling in those floods at this particular time. So mm. it looks like we uh, we might be getting our interview on on the phone. Um, so let's see if we can just go there real quick. And Dr. John Ashton, welcome to the show. Yes, hello. Good to be here. Heavy rain here where we are. Yeah, I think it's kind of, uh, if you're on the East Coast somewhere, it's pretty much heavy rain everywhere, isn't it? So, so John, we're talking about heavy rain, and of course, you know, we've got some massive amounts of flooding that are taking place at the moment. Uh, but that kind of relates to the subjects that we often talk about because we often talk about the flood and dinosaurs and fossils uh, and so forth. These things that we find that have been buried, obviously, by flood water. Uh, interesting news story from a week or so ago uh, about some finds that are described, fossil finds that are described as. A car wreck, like, like a car wreck frozen in place. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what what what's going on here? <laughs> yes, I guess that was uh, an interesting description. So what happened was uh, some um, uh, paleontologists working at a um, deposit up there in um, in north of, uh, of the United States, in Dakota, and they discovered a number of uh, fish uh, fossils that um, had um, shards of, uh, uh, of uh, meteorotic uh, glass. So that is um, impacts of uh, molten uh, silica, uh, shards of molten uh, silica uh, trapped in their, their gills and, and so forth. Now, one of the things um, is that these... Uh, Fossils were found around uh, what is called the, the K2 boundary or the uh, Cretaceous tertiary boundary. And this is um, believed, uh, often associated with a layer of um, iridium, 
which is a, a noble metal. But in this particular layer and in, in places around the world, you can see the layer, uh, you know, visually, this layer of, of, of dust um, and uh, that has a concentration of iridium about 100 times the background level. Now, you know, back in about the 1980s, uh, a Nobel Prize winning uh, physicist, I just forget his name now, uh, and his son, who was also a geologist, um, discovered this layer and proposed that um, it uh, coincided with um, the, the destruction of the dinosaurs because the, the dinosaurs were essentially wiped out at the end of the uh, Cretaceous uh, period um, in the geological column. We don't find dinosaurs um, above that uh, layer, generally speaking, around uh, the world. And so there's all these different theories about how the, the dinosaurs um, died out. And one of those is that there was an impact of a, um, a large uh, comet or meteor um, it's believed to have landed on the uh, the Yucatan uh, Peninsula there, that little spiky bit that sticks out of the bottom part of the Gulf of Mexico there on the corner of that. because uh, there's a crater about uh, 180 kilometres in diameter there. They've estimated it, and so they estimate that this comet was about 10 kilometres in diameter or meteor, so a large one. And, and this is associated with this um, destruction. Now, this, what, what's drawn attention to this paper that was published in the journal Nature, which is probably regarded as the world's top science journal, so you get a lot of brownie points uh, in the research world if you publish in this journal. Um, and so these researchers up there in um, uh, northern U US there, uh, when they were examining these uh, fish uh, fossils with these shards of, of uh, this meteoritic glass there, um, also found that uh, they were able to, you know, study their bones in, in quite detail. They were extremely well preserved and they um, looked at some of the different carbon ratios, carbon 12, carbon 13, and also the cell structures that were beautifully preserved in these um, bones and they were at a time showing rapid growth and um, it, with um, uh, fish and, and many species, of course, um, you know, trees the same, um, rapid growth that tends to occur in the spring. And so essentially the big article was that the, the dinosaurs were wiped out in the spring <laughs> uh, 65 million years ago. So, I mean, obviously we can't pin it down. They can't pin it down to the year and, of course, this dating them. That 65 million years is based on, you know, conventional radiometric dating. Um, and, of course, they, you know, they disregard, you know, other evidence. Well, the continents would erode away in less than 10 million years on the basis of erosion rates as we see. We see the shoreline erosion around Australia. The uh, Several of the 12 apostles off uh, the Victorian coast there have fallen into the sea already, this sort of thing. Um, so there's a lot of inconsistencies there, but... You know, in terms of something novel to be published, it obviously grabbed the attention of journalists and uh, the reviewers in Nature. You know, this is another uh, novel find. Uh, so that's essentially the background to that article and why it got some attention. One of the things that 
I was interested in uh, was they don't, as far as I can find out, they haven't reported any carbon-14 dating on it. And uh, usually, with uh, it's unfortunate, but usually in these um, systems, they don't bother dating carbon-14. They um, just assume that it's not going to be there. Um, but from, uh, from what I've read, um, it seems that um, they can find carbon-14 in dinosaur bones whole lot of, uh, a number of dinosaur remains have been analysed now for carbon-14. They find carbon-14 in there that dates these bones as only, you know, tens of thousands of years um, of age. Um, and, of course, the coal, we found carbon-14 in coal. And one of the significant things about finding carbon-14 is that after about, um, well, after 100,000 years, there'd be no theoretical carbon-14 there, uh, no carbon-14 there according to the theory and the rates of decay of carbon-14. Um, and so this is uh, this would be a limiting factor. So it's interesting that they haven't reported that. And again, even the values, and I've mentioned this before on the program, even when we carbon-14 um, date and we get these uh, ages of tens of thousands of years, you need to remember that it's based on the uh, carbon-14 level in the atmosphere back in about 1950. Um, if we carbon-dated things like today, um, like, say, a, a cotton T-shirt that you had, it would probably date about a 1,000 years old just due to the carbon dilution effects in the atmosphere now. So there's huge variation there which sort of extends the dates. Uh, there's the Earth magnetic field effects, uh, affect carbon-14 levels, all these things. And all these factors tend to extend the dates or exaggerate the dates uh, that we would measure of objects in the past. And that's why all carbon-14 dates really have to be calibrated against some known uh, carbon, some known uh, independently known dated objects. So obviously... And this is probably one of the reasons why they don't tend to carbon-14 date things like uh, the bones of these fishes because they've got no, you know, that's, they know theoretically there shouldn't be any there. So if they found carbon-14 there, that would just complicate the issue for them. Mm, mm. But uh, that's the background to that study. Hmm. Dr John Ashton, I'm just wondering whether uh, the evidence that we're seeing there um, with these particular finds can be explained uh, based on, uh, you know, either the flood or maybe, you know, volcanic action, something like that? Oh, yeah. The, the I mean, well, there's no doubt that there was a large comet hit and it probably did occur during the flood. And most certainly the flood can explain um, this deposit. In this deposit, a whole lot of marine creatures are all mixed up. They were buried under very violent situation and even the, the Nature paper records that that um, a whole lot of different types of marine animals were uh, buried, all mixed up, and they were, and there's evidence of rapidly flowing mudslides that, that buried them very rapidly. So this, the, the whole picture that is also described in the paper describes a flood-type scenario. Now, one of the issues that they have with the, the... And they're all trying to look for some sort of explanation for why the dinosaurs... Um, wiped out, and and one of the reasons, one of the things is that there was this big uh, impact at the time. 
uh, or a big volcanic uh, eruption uh, and maybe the comet as well uh, produced a whole lot of particles in the air that uh, part of which was this iridium layer uh, from uh, the asteroid um, and caused darkness. But the questions we have to ask is if it wiped out the dinosaurs, why didn't wipe out more sensitive uh, things like bees and frogs? Why weren't the crocodiles wiped out? Um, and, and this is one of the major puzzles with um, the so-called extinction of the dinosaurs at this time. Why the dinosaurs? Why not lots of other things? If there was this massive um, uh, sort of um, uh, Ice Age type event uh, blotting out all the sunlight and, and so forth from this massive uh, impact, um, you know, why didn't wipe out the plants as well? Because they rely on, you know, sunlight for photosynthesis. So this is the whole thing. It's a real puzzle. Nobody knows why the dinosaurs wiped out then. But the flood model is probably the best explanation that wiped them out. And then after the flood, there weren't that many dinosaurs running around. And, um, the, you know, I mean, if you knew that there was a, a, a grown-up nasty dinosaur running around, uh, and humans, are, you know, pretty clever, they, they'd wipe it out. Of course, there were lots of little dinosaurs as well, so possibly eaten by for food by other animals as well. So, um, and you know, I've seen um, when we were in Hawaii at a, um, a display there. I remember my wife and I saw in the museum a um, a cast of a fossil of a mammal that had eaten a dinosaur, a small dinosaur, a large mammal that had eaten a small dinosaur. So. Um, you know, this is the scenario uh, of probably what happened to the dinosaurs after the after the flood. But look, the, the biblical flood explains so many of these uh, issues that geologists, you know, rattle with. So they don't have an explanation for the um, extinction of the of the dinosaurs. Uh, it's still debated. You know, today um, there's. Uh, I think I was reading an article uh, sometime that said there's about 100 different theories to try and explain what happened to the dinosaurs. The most obvious one is the flood. Mm. Um, you know, the biblical flood fits it so well. And, of course, we have, you know, the records of, you know, from the Book of Job and this sort of thing. There probably were some dinosaurs after the flood for a while. We have the sea dragons reported um, in the literature. Um, so there probably were, you know, large, these large... Uh, reptiles running around for a while afterwards. Mm. Mm. Dr. John Ashton, thank you so much for uh, sharing with us um, fascinating things that we find when we dig into the earth and just amazing how they fit with the model that we have in the Bible. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.